if some material thing has no utility and utility being it has uh, it has the ability to create value then why do you have it does talking about your money make you cringe are you tired of fighting about finances do you want to stop sabotaging your financial happiness then you are in the right place. Welcome to Breaking Money Silence, a podcast series aimed at helping all of us talk more openly about money. Your host, Kathleen Burns Kingsbury, is a wealth psychology expert who is doing what she does best, speaking about taboo topics. International speaker, author, and founder of KBK Wealth Connection, Kathleen understands money and our relationship with it. Over the past decade, she has empowered thousands of people to break money silence at home and at work. Now, here is Kathleen. So I am here today with Jim Parker, who's the president of iDry Systems. He is also the father of two young boys, uh, Skylar and Dawson. His wife, Kristen, is, uh, in his words, beautiful and brilliant, and she is a top-level consultant. And uh, Jim also happens to be my husband's boss, full disclosure, and I know sometimes I mention Brian. Uh, He is here today to bust a money myth wide open and to help us understand a little bit more about the connection between how we think and feel about money and our ability to be successful as an entrepreneur. So welcome, Jim, to uh, the podcast. This is exciting. It is exciting. (laughs) (laughs) So tell me, what is the myth that you want to focus in on today? So a myth that's been really important to me, both personally and in business, has been that it's impossible to save money when you don't make a lot of money. You know, when your income is at a certain point you know, too low, then you there's no possible way you could actually put money away. And I believe that to get, to move up in life, in a financial sense at least, uh, both personally or in business, you've got to get to a place where you can put some money away. And not just as a security blanket, but as a a, you know, give to give you some financial strength for future investment or future growth or be mobile, you know, if you need to move or any of those things mm-hmm. are really going to come down to your ability to pay. And so I've just, I was raised with the mentality that if you wanted it, you should buy it and figure out how to pay for it later. Um, having savings was really meaningless and putting money away in savings was meaningless. And so why not just spend what you've got as you get it or even before you get it? Wow. So we're getting a little into your family money messages. And I'm going to respectfully say that's kind of a hippie attitude from Vermont (laughs) to be like, oh, whatever, it will come. Right. And and to me, I take more of what what I like to think of as like the true Vermonter conservative mentality, the dairy farmer, the you know, the really hardworking Vermonter who um, has had to maybe live on less, but also lives on less because they want to. And so obviously money is an emotional thing, right? And our emotions are are driven by by money in so many ways. So it seems like it all boils down to how can you be happy with less? And actually, to prepare for this, I uh, I quizzed my kids this morning at breakfast. Excellent. And I asked them, I said, if you want to, if you, let's say, you know, they're born 
fortunate enough, um, you know, to have what they what they need certainly, and a lot of what they would want. Uh, but what if they weren't? I said, how would you get from there to someplace better? And before you share, though, yeah. the ages are six. Okay, and... yeah. So the older one is six. That's Skylar, uh-huh. and the younger one's. Four. He would want me to tell you that he's four and a half. Okay. <laughs> so that's Dawson, and Dawson chimed right in, and he said. He said he would learn to like what's right in front of him. Interesting. And I think that postponing gratification is part of that, but truly being happy with what you have is the path towards being able to save. And so you, if you want to save, you need to sacrifice. And you need the only way you can sacrifice and still be happy is to be happy with less and be happy with what you have. And wow. So, so as a dad, yeah. when he gave that response, uh-huh. what was your reaction? I was thinking, which toys should we give away to people who need them more? <laughs> <laughs> no, no. I, I told him I thought he was a wise person. Yeah. You know, that's I thought was clever. And I I feel this way in business, too, that, um, you know, sometimes I'm, you might be too conservative and maybe try too hard to save and maybe there's missed opportunities or slower growth as a result as an entrepreneur. But Mm -hmm. um, I think that there's a different approach for everybody. Some people would go out and leverage their assets with a bank and get loans. Some people would, um, I think a lot of entrepreneurs would go out and get money from other people, financing, you know, venture capitalists or or whatnot, um, private equity. But my thought is, well, I'll just do with do as much as I can with what I have. And if that's as much as I can do, then that's as much as I can do. And if it's a little bit harder, I have to work a little harder because I can't pay somebody else to help me or I can't buy that tool that I would make it easier. I just don't buy it. Is that why every time I'm at a cocktail party, I say you should get an assistant and you don't? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> right. I'm never, I'm probably never going to do that. Okay. Well, that's good that we've cleared the air there. <laughs> so I, I'm dying to know as somebody who specializes in wealth psychology is how you went from how you were raised mm-hmm. with that family money message of don't worry about it. Yep. It, it will It'll happen come. or it won't happen. It's fine. Right. To being conservative, because I also mm-hmm. happen to know you from, uh, you know, in, in the other activities that you do. Right. And, and I, I, I'm kind of surprised that you're this conservative around money. like a risk taker, probably. Yes, you do. Right. So, so a few things. I think that I've, for whatever reasons, just my personality, I've always had a, I've always been stressed about money. Um, I've, I've had, I've always found a way to have what I need. Um, so I've never been desperate. I'm, I'm certainly privileged in a lot of ways, but I've also just, my personality has been that, uh, money one way or another stresses me out and I don't like to be stressed out. And so, but for so much of my life, it seemed like that was just how it was. And, when I finally t- was able to take full control over my business and I was basically at my wits end and my back was up against the wall. I literally had a business with no no assets, no equity, no money in the bank. Wow, that uh, is scary. No real opportunity um, except for what maybe I could create out of it. 
it was very scary. And then I was also looking, I was getting married. I was, you know, my, I was getting to the point in my life where I wanted to have some more security. It had to stop. I couldn't be in that cycle, that rut anymore. And so I started cutting and saving and, you know, finding ways to bootstrap my business in such a way that I could do more with less. And, and as a result in that business, which had at that time that I'm thinking of was maybe 35 years old, it had never made a profit in those 35 years. The first year it made a profit was also the year that it made the least amount in revenue. So our sales went down, call it 25%. Uh, it was the hardest year from a sales standpoint. It was the first year we ever made a, made any profit. Wow, that is telling. And I and I ended up not just with book profit, you know, on the books to pay taxes on, but I had actual cash in the bank at the end of that year, which I then used to invest in a marketing strategy, which I could have never afforded before that, not having any cash. I also invested in some infrastructure and CRM and database things that helped me organize the business better. And from that investment, our business grew a thousand percent the year, the next year. So we literally moved the decimal place and that's when I hired Brian. Yes. And that's when we got to move. And I mentioned this on the podcast a fair amount of uh, times that we moved to the Mad River Valley. So thank you. I'm glad you're a saver. Out of being, out of turning that mentality around, uh, a lot has changed in my life and other people's lives. Awesome. Mm -hmm. So I have two questions. One is, one has to do with your wife. Mm -hmm. And sometimes when we're in partnership, that the other person comes to the partnership with a different money mindset mm-hmm. or a different history and you know as comfortable as you are sharing does she have a mm-hmm. similar attitude or different well or? that she is uh, part of the reason i think she's brilliant is she is brilliant <laughs> and she came to our partnership with a completely different mentality than i was raised on and not to say by the way that i don't love my parents and they oh, sure. they gave me incredible opportunities so i just want to be totally clear about that um, that's just how it was. And it was perfectly fine. Um, but she brought to the table a completely opposite mentality. Um, her, her father, which really comes back, you know, from her family, mm-hmm. her father, uh, grew up on a farm with no running water. Oh, wow. You know, with an outhouse and that I sort of thing. I should have you on the podcast more. I didn't know this. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, he retired at 53 from being the CEO, chairman of the board of one of the largest wireless companies in the country. Um, he got there completely on his own and with his mom's help, who was bagging groceries at the grocery store until she retired. So he obviously was able she grew up with an enormous amount of opportunity and they had anything they could need or want uh, but somehow he was even with that privilege she was passed on she he was able to pass on to her this mentality of of saving and being happy with less and number one postponing gratification mm-hmm. and when i when i started dating her and we started getting to know each other I always noticed that if she wanted a new pair of running shoes which is pretty much all she ever wanted that she would even though she had all the money in the world more money than I could have ever dreamt of in her bank account which was all money she earned from working two jobs 
uh, she wouldn't buy those right away. She would plan to buy them and she would think, do I really want these? And she, her mentality was, well, if I still want them in a couple of months, then I must really want them and then I'll buy them. Great. What that proves is you could be raised at any economic level mm -hmm. and you can teach your kids about delayed gratification and yes. saving and, and really steer them away from materialism, yes. which is, you know, such a trap. It's such a trap. And, you know, so her and I were talking about this conversation I'm going to have with you this morning. And, um, you know, she's she's in healthcare and she really in psycho the psychology of healthcare and things like that. Um, and she was mentioning you know how a lot of people, especially in our in our cities, are trapped in that way because their own the only way they feel they can really the only value they think they might have is their persona, and their persona is is entirely based around the material image of them, right? The, Walking the personal around, branding, the personal branding. Yeah. What shoes I wear, what T-shirt I have on, what you know, do I have gold? chains and things and bling and all this stuff and you know but none of that has any actual value there's no equity in that there's no there's no real uh utility in those things and i did i was i managed to stay awake in both my economics classes and business school and i remember how important utility is and <laughs> I, to me if if some material thing has no utility utility being it has uh it has the ability to create value then why do you have it? Well, it's so clear that it's a core value of yours, and it's right. really always wonderful when couples come together and can learn from each other's money oh, mindsets. Exactly. I'm sure she's received some things as well. Maybe. What I'm curious about, the second question I had has to do with um, this money myth of uh, I don't make enough money to save. Mm -hmm. Before, and you've talked a lot about how it doesn't serve you, but is there any way in which it actually can help somebody? I mean, you came from a family that had somewhat okay. of this money message. Yeah. Is there any way in which, even if it's temporary, that it can be helpful? To Helpful to not save, you're saying? Yeah. Yeah, the opposite being true? Or to say, you know what, I just, yeah, I don't make enough, so I can't save, I so do, what and, the heck? And just be fine with that. Um, I suppose the, what I could think of is if that makes you happy, then fine. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that there are probably moments in your life when you should not be saving because you should be pushing towards a, an objective that costs a lot of money. You know, it's sending your kid to college, it's buying a new home. It, you know, where certainly where in our lives we've drained our savings down to mm -hmm. move a, another rung on the ladder, you could say. Um, so maybe those moments would be would be right, but. That this is almost an argument I got into with Kristen this morning was, well, isn't there actually a threshold? Isn't there actually a certain person and a certain economic, socioeconomic status that really, really can't save? Mm -hmm. I could see I could see there being a, a discussion around that because oh, yeah. that is a big. I right. mean, if you think about it, that's a big issue in our country. Huge, but I've travel. I've been fortunate enough to travel around the world a lot, and I've been to a lot of the uh, worst third world parts of the third world. And, and I hate to say it that way, but they, they are impoverished in the worst way. Um, you know, I've walked the streets of Chennai, India, where parents maim their kids. They mm -hmm. dismember their kids to make them better at begging for money because people would have more sympathy for them. That's horrible. That is poverty. Those people are not saving 
No, that is the worst. I believe in our in the United States, which I think is one of the greatest countries in the world. Um, we have we are wealthy even at our lowest level, and we have access to clean water generally, and access to food, and access to shelter. I think if you have access to those things, then you have a opportunity. Um, the thing that lacks is education. Financial not, education or education in general? Financial or, education. Yes. Yeah. Not to say education in general. We also have, although you know it's certainly lacking in some ways, we also have an, incredibly, an incredible education system in general, and it's free. So those are things that these this child in in Chennai, India did not have. So that is an opportunity. So if we have those those opportunities, then we it's not easy, right? But we can pull ourselves up and and actually earn money and use that system and save. The problem is if you don't know you can do that or you're not inspired to do that in some way, then you won't do that. Right. So it's the education. And I totally agree that we need more financial I'm literacy sure education. <laughs> yeah. And it's also inspiring people or letting people know that they yes, can do it. Exactly. Um, which, you know, can be tricky. So, so you know, I want to switch gears just a little bit before we need to end. I want to mm -hmm. find out a little bit more about how you would advise or what recommendations you might make for an entrepreneur who's mm -hmm. maybe at an earlier stage mm -hmm. in their business, yep. who hasn't achieved the level of success, maybe is back where you were thinking, oh I gosh, don't know if this yeah. is going to work. Right. Uh, now I know, you know, you have several companies, mm -hmm. but iDry Systems is yeah. kind of the biggest push right now. And sure. how many employees do you have now? Uh, we probably have 12 right now. We just hired another person. So I think that might be is where we are. <laughs> I don't keep track. Of that, uh, but that's obviously. great. So, so yeah. give one or two Incredible tips for people. somebody who's an entrepreneur listening in about how they can mm -hmm. change their mindset to think, even mm -hmm. if I don't have the revenue, even if right. I don't have the money I want to have yep. that I can still save and I can get there. Um, I think that it is, you know, the postponing gratification piece is, is a big part, but I think that uh, allowing yourself, be okay with allowing yourself to go through the incredible pain and frustration that it takes to build a business. Mm -hmm. And when you think it's really hard, that's exactly what it's supposed to be. So recognize that your struggle is is part of the process and embrace that and and just just think of it like that is a that is how you're getting to the next step and if you weren't struggling then you actually have a problem because you're not trying hard enough and you're not you're not actually pushing the boundaries of what is possible in whatever your industry is or you know whatever thing you're building or selling I so feel like I should just pay you for business that. coaching this morning. <laughs> Currently being in an entrepreneurial struggle. Oh, we'll do a barter and trade. How about yeah. that? Um, yeah, no, I think that's that's probably it. I, I, you know, something that I had, something that I was given by my parents that was uh, enormously valuable was confidence. And they would help me feel that I, there was always a light at the end of the tunnel and that was so hard because it goes on for years. I mean, there are, there are exceptions where people make it big in the first year, but 
those are the ex- those are yeah. the exceptions. I think what people should know if they're starting a business is that it's going to take 10 years before you really know what you're doing. And and it's going to be really hard for a long number of years, but that's perfectly okay because if you stick with it and you sacrifice and you allow yourself to feel that pain, you will gain in the end. Yeah, no, I agree. I, we both have an entrepreneurial spirit, yes. and I think it's totally worth the journey. Although some days it's very, very hard. It is so hard. But uh, so in the hard. end, it's really gratifying. Hugely. And so I want to just end the podcast today with what you would replace the myth with. Mm-hmm. So if it's not, I don't make enough money to save, or mm-hmm. that's the myth, excuse me. Mm-hmm. What's the fact? Like, what is the statement that you would want people to remember? The fact is that you definitely have more and make more than most people in the world. You know, comparisons are odious. Comparisons are, have, are you have to be careful of them, but... There is a true comparison. If you you are in America, you're in the United States of America, so you're already you already have a leg up. So you're doing better than you think you're doing, and you need to count your blessings and look at what you actually have. How many TVs do you actually have? How many? What do you have? The newest iPhone? Do you need a phone? Do you need a home? Yes. Does it does it need to be the nicest home? Do you have to buy that new truck? Um, those are the things that I think they need to look at to, to really do the calculus of can I save or can I not save? Very wise words from someone who's not a financial <laughs> advisor on the show. Uh, before I let you go, I want to hear a little bit about iDry Systems and yeah. what you're up to. So we started this business, I started the business uh, less than a year ago as a pivot from a, another business I have to several different industries. Basically, I recognized about a year ago, a year and a half ago now, that although we were doing great, um, I needed to completely reinvent what I was doing, reinvent the technology that I was building, reinvent the processes by which we build them, uh, reinvent our approach to the market, absolutely everything completely from scratch. And so that's what we did. I started a brand new company. I started a brand new design. Your husband helped me with so much of that and the software uh, specifically took a completely new mentality, a totally new mindset and started a new business with that. And so now we're focused on drying. Uh, That's what we do. Uh, We build vacuum dryers that that are very good at a lot of applications that you probably use every day you just don't know it wood is one of them uh food cannabis uh, building materials uh basically any material that has water in it that needs to be dried quickly and at a lower temperature um is sort of our our place and we've we've grown the business i say we because it really is a team um dramatically yeah, I, I feel like there's a lot of energy this year. Um, that's yes. a yep. revitalization. Not yes. that it wasn't a Huge. good company before, but it feels nope. like there's a different energy. So that's exciting to be part of that. 100% different, yeah. And it is really exciting. We're having a lot of fun right now. Excellent. Yep. Well, thank you, Jim. It's Jim Thanks. Parker. He yep. is the president of iDry Systems yep. and other companies. Mm-hmm. And thank you so much for breaking money silence with Thanks me today. Thanks for having me. This was great. Yeah, it was fun. Yeah. Thank you for listening to Breaking Money Silence, hosted by Kathleen Burns Kingsbury. 
a wealth psychology expert, author, and founder of KBK Wealth Connection. If you like what you heard today, be sure to subscribe on iTunes or your favorite podcast app and leave a review. Also, share this episode with your friends and family. It is a great way to get the conversation started. For more money talk tips and information or to hire Kathleen to speak at your next event, go to www.breakingmoneysilence.com.